You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Hello, Be The Bridge community. We have an exciting guest for you to hear from today. Um, You may have missed this, but a few years ago, I was able to interview someone on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live before we had the podcast. And uh, we were interviewing her about some children's books that she was launching, um, Darina Williamson. And I am so glad to have her on on this call. Not only, first of all, her name, every time I say, say her name, Darina, I always think about my grandmother's name, Doretha. It's so close, you know? Aww. And so that always reminds me of you. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I'll just, you know, just so those of you who have never heard of Darina, um, if you're hearing of her, her for the first time, I want to give you a little information about who she is. Um, she's a speaker. She's a best-selling writer. Um, she's a church planter and a bridge builder whose work has been featured in Christianity Today and Crosswalk. She writes stories that celebrate all colors, um, build cultural bridges. She's a bridge builder and um motivate and her stories motivate lasting change for children and their parents um she's written several books called colorful thoughtful graceful just brilliant i love all of it um she and her husband chris have four children um and so we'll give you more information about how you can find out about her work and where she lives and all of those things and i am so happy to have you darina Oh, well, I feel so honored to share a name with your grandmother. That is, I'm going to yeah, hold that as a yeah. very, very precious connection. So we were both yeah. named very well. <laughs> I know, right, right. And yeah. so I'm just, you know, we met, let's think about it. Okay, so we met several years ago at the Justice Conference, right? That's right. We That's met, right. you didn't think I remembered that, do you? <laughs> I did. I was sitting there going, okay. I mean, I know we've had so many points of connection, and I I love that I was on Facebook Live with you before. I feel like I was back in the the preliminary stage of uh, you didn't have the the podcast. I didn't have a podcast. (laughs) back in the olden days, whatever those are. In the are, old right? days, you know, the years. <laughs> Look, and Peter Bridge is so young, and when we say stuff like that, we're like, oh yeah, that was three years ago. <laughs> that was two years ago. It wasn't ago. that long ago. Like, it like was so years. long ago. Like, <laughs> well, look, I think we're about to turn six as a whole. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> But at the very beginning stages of Be The Bridge, um, some of the first, I would say, pioneers of people who started um, Be The Bridge groups. Um, uh, When I would travel, I went to the Justice Conference and uh, we met up with some people um, who were doing Be The Bridge groups and are interested in doing Be The Bridge groups. I want to say we met up at Panera. Panera yes, Bread. We, did. we sure did. And I, I was and I, so uh, honored <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like, I was thinking when I went there, I think I was thinking that it would just be a handful of people. And it was like, I think about 25, 30 people there. And maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, you see, see, I'm maybe dating myself. It may have been five. Now, I think it was over five, but I know it was a full table of people, tables of people. And I was just really taken back. I was really surprised. And I think that was the first indication to me that people are really doing this. Like, you know, people are actually, you know, putting action behind their words. They are leaning into this conversation. And I remember meeting you because it was like, there was a lot of um, our of our beautiful sisters, our white women sisters, and then there was just a few, a handful of like um, 
um, people of color there, and I remember you. And uh, yeah, and I think we've stayed in contact, you know, um, yes. since then. Yes. In some kind yes. of way. That's exactly you know? right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I, I remember yeah. being so excited when that communication went out in the the Facebook because Facebook was the the form that was everything was sort of going, and um, yeah, I just remember yeah. being we were so using happy. Facebook to, groups. Yeah. Yep, yep. So yeah, yeah. And since then, just we still use that, by the way. (laughs) We do. We still have the Facebook group. We it still has value. I tell you, it's a battle, though. It's a battle, but we still use that because at the beginning stages of um, of um, you know this organization, this is how we grew. This is how we communicated. You know, now we have you know other means of of communicating. But I'm so. I'm glad to know you. And um, I was in Nashville. I I forget. um, I think maybe a year. It was right before the pandemic, I think. And I was able to um, eat with, um, have um, lunch with you and your husband. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. And you guys have since moved. You guys are church planners, as you say. You're church planners, and you have since moved from Nashville to Franklin, right? Well, actually, we've lived in Franklin the entire time, but okay. our church started in Franklin and then moved to Nashville about eight or nine years ago. So, oh, um, okay, it's I had all, it backwards. <laughs> yep, it's all, and it's all in the Middle Tennessee area. So, okay. you know, church okay. church is about twenty five minutes from home. But uh, yeah, we're we're grateful to be in in the greater Nashville area now and just continue to welcome people from all around Middle Tennessee and, and virtually from around the world. Wow. So when we first met, neither one of us were authors at that time. I remember you talking about writing some children's books at that um, Panera Bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have done that. This, I think, is your fourth book. Is this your fourth this is actually number five. Oh, number five. Crazy. I'm just getting all the information wrong. So <laughs> congratulations on number five. It's called Crown with Glory. Yes. And so we know what that one is about. And um, um, and those of you, this is about hair. And this is a big subject. You know, like um, I know we're coming out of Black History Month. But, you know, as I tell people, I am Black 365 days of the year. So, mm-hmm. um I am not limited to one month to talk about any history pertaining to my people. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> and pertaining uh, to my interests and, and, and all of that. So, um, you know, and our history is also American history. Um, there is no comma in that. So um, I am so excited about Crown with Glory. Okay. What inspired you? See, I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you this question. What inspired you? But I know what inspired you because it's lived experience. <laughs> You know, but for the audience, you know, for those of you who are listening, um, crown with glory, you know, some some of you may feel like, oh, oh, we've heard this a lot. We've heard. But listen, this is a much needed conversation because we actually um, we're going to talk about this, about policy, you know, because kids are still getting suspended um, because of their natural hair. And so um, uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, this book was, as you said, inspired by my lived experience. Mm-hmm. I have three sisters and a brother, and then I've raised three daughters and a son. And mm-hmm. um, one night I was wrapping my youngest daughter's hair at night, and she's now 18. So it's been a few years ago mm-hmm. when, you know, mothers help their daughters wrap their hair at night, make sure that head wrap is on tight so that the So we wrap it instead of wrap, wrap like, so, you know, so at, if you're in a different context besides African-American, um, you know how sometimes you brush, help your daughter brush out the tangles in her hair, you know, when they're younger. Uh, we wrap our hair. Mm-hmm. So that means, mm-hmm. so it's smooth. We wrap it around and we put like a silk scarf on our hair um, to maintain the moisture. Um, so go ahead. Yes, that that's absolutely correct. And and depending on like if we're wearing a short haircut, we may wrap it and actually be wrapping the hair mm-hmm. around our head, you know, literally wrapping the hair kind of in a circle, depending on the length of the hair. Mm-hmm. And then we put that headscarf around it so that in the morning we can take the headscarf off and then gently, almost don't even have to comb it, almost just finger our hair back down and our style is 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 still smooth mm-hmm. since we don't have to wash it every day. So right. again, as you 
took a pause, Tasha, to just unpack for our majority race brothers and sisters or people of any race who don't understand the the cultural context of rapping here mm-hmm. at night. Um, you know, I've included a spread about that in the book because what this story does, first of all, is give us black girls representation with a girl celebrating her beauty, celebrating her hair all throughout her life journey from the time she's a baby until she grows up and goes to college and and lives out her purpose. She celebrates all of her unique hairstyles. But a book like this is also intended to give people outside of our black cultural context a a window in so they can see, Mm. oh, this is what you do at night. Oh, okay. So you're you're braiding your hair when you swim, so that you know that that keeps your style intact and and it keeps you from having to be limited to oh I can't get in the water because you know what am I going to do about my hair? And so you know back to the the origin of the story, it kind of started the seeds when I was wrapping my daughter's hair as she was young, and I was just thinking of her hair was you know straight and and I was wrapping Mm -hmm. it to keep the style but then my hair has short natural curls so I just start thinking of all the diversity in my black family with my children and we we got weave we got braid like we just had it all and all the colors and everything and and yet we we rock our beauty we rock the, the beauty that God has given us and I just was thinking about how Psalms 8 says that we're crowned with God's glory. And so Mm. I wrote down just a few thoughts that night. And then over the next few years, more ideas came and I just sort of tucked them away and Mm. developed some rhyme. And and then just at the the right time during during the pandemic, I need to add, the Lord opened (laughs) up the door with Waterbrook um, to, 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 to put this message out. Right. And that is my uh, parent publishing company, uh, Waterbrook, and uh, which is a um, one of the houses of Ping. Penguin Random House. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we're book sisters kind of like, That's right. right. That's you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so glad, you know, um, even when you said you you drew on the scripture in this, because for so long we can think I can remember recounting back, um, you know, playing with Barbie dolls and um, wanting um, not wanting the, the brown Barbie dolls because their hair. At their, that time, I'm dating myself, but I had brown Barbie dolls, but their hair was like a little afro, right? And mm-hmm. so you couldn't comb through it, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, like the other dolls. And little girls, we love to co- have the Barbie heads and comb hair and stuff. And a lot of that has, has changed, but I just remember always, you know, feeling, um, because of my hair, feeling um, a little inferior, you know, um, yes. you know, yes. to to and, and this is our natural hair. This is the way our hair grows. Like for me, um, what I always say, our good friend um, Amina Brown always says, you can't tell a black girl how to black girl. You know, we're going to black yeah, girl with natural right. hair. We're going to black girl with wigs. We're going to black girl with extensions. We're going to black girl with natural. We're going to black girl with with um, with relaxers. We're going to black girl with dye, all kinds of stuff. You name it, we can do it. And we're going to dra- a black girl with locks, you know. That's right. Um, there, there's no limit to we are so versatile, like our hair can do so many things and none of it is wrong, you know. That's right. And so there's not one way. And so we always say you can't tell a black girl how to black girl. And so say it, say it. <laughs> I love it. So don't tell us how to wear our hair. And so when you're thinking about that, it's like we it's like a reclaiming, you know. Mm-hmm. Would you agree to that? I absolutely would agree to that. And you know, the responses to this book that have really um drawn me to tears have not only been from little girls who say, you know, she looks like me. Mm. Um, the, the, the girl on the cover is a beautiful chocolate girl with her natural hair. But I've had, you know, friends who have, you know, mixed race daughters as well, mm-hmm. whose, whose complexion may look different, but they see mm-hmm. in this little girl on the cover, they see her joy and they see um, hair that's got a bushiness to it and they mm. see themselves and mm. that has been so sweet because I wanted our girls to have that rich representation that is is getting better. You know, we've got amazing books like Hair Love and 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 so many others that um, are celebrating our beauty, and and mm-hmm. we're grateful that the market is 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 shifting and is gr- growing and giving us more representation. But what's also drawn me to tears because this book also includes our faith and is sourced from. Mm. God's truth 
that he speaks over us in Psalm 8 that we're crowned with his glory. Mm. So I've gotten some really emotional messages from women mm. and they are telling me that this book drew out emotion, that they cried, that, um, you know, one girl said, my mom sent this book to me and she's an adult. And she said, my mm. mother sent it to me and I've been struggling with my hair and my identity. And this book came at the right time. I needed it. And I was mm. like, a children's book, you know? Wow. But wow. it reminds me of the power of story and the power of the words that some, for some of us were spoken over us or to us, mm. maybe maybe casually when we were children, mm-hmm. but they stuck. And decades, yes. three, four, five decades later, we're still grappling with how we view ourselves when we look in the mirror because of the things that other people said about us that took mm-hmm. root, though, like seeds, and they grew mm-hmm. up some things that weren't healthy. Mm-hmm. And so... It's it's a it's an honor, but it's humbling to see the effect of this little children's book on on w- adult women as well. And I just wow. give give glory to God for that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the book with you, Dorita? Do you have I it did. nearby? I did. Yeah. You, would you read? Uh, would you mind reading um, a little maybe um, passage out out of there? You know, especially when you're talking about like you know how this this book is speaking to um, adult women, a children's book, because um, there's some t- sometimes trauma that we hold and memories that we hold um, that are not pleasant from comments. You know, it's like all these little microaggressions that, um, you know, that are out there. I have um, uh, a goddaughter and her hair is um, a little, her hair is more Curly because her mom is um, half Asian. And so um, she just remembers, you know, in in school, you know, this little um, girl telling her, like, I know you're glad your hair isn't like other black people. And and she was like, and she was probably around 11 or 12 at the time. And, And she knew she had enough since to say like that's not a compliment like that's not a compliment and um you know and and so I think it's some of those things where if you don't talk about it um with our kids and not just kids um of color but like if 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 white people if you don't talk about differences and diversity and um you know um with your children um they're going to be cued either by you or by society to think these things because we live in a racialized society. And so, and with that racial racialization, there are hierarchies. And so even if you're not telling them that they're better than, you know, someone else because of the way they look or the way their hair looks, society is telling them that. Media is telling them that. Social media is telling them that. And so you have to cue them in a different way. Um, and so that's just, you know, just something. So you think about, that comment that was made um, and just think about all the comments, you know, um, that are made over time. And that just that can fracture your very soul, you yes. know, and, yes. and your identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me read um, this this line um, from the book. This is for, for people to give them mm-hmm. a, a visual. This is on a spread in a beauty shop. And again, my goal was to give for us representation of our experiences, but it's Mm. also helpful because this is giving people who may have never been in a black beauty shop. This is what it looks like when we're in there. Okay. So it says Bantu knots or twist out fun, a beauty puff in a textured bun, reflections of culture all around such glory in creating beautiful crowns Mm -hmm. and then there's another spread where i say the creator crowned me with melanated glory and every day i get to live out my beautiful story oh man 
That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I can remember like that's that's a part of our our, our just life experience and journey. I know every um, black person doesn't have this experience, but I remember because you know, I had a mom who she wasn't the best at doing hair, you know, she knew how to do ponytails and different things like that, but she was also a working mom. And so um she would, you know, send me to I, I went to the beauty parlor like really young to the salon and so I can remember going to the salon as a young girl you know um you know and I know there uh, another friend of mine just wrote a book called wash day um um Tamisha and so you know just just all of the chronicling you know what that is like so what was that like with your your own kids like did you have that experience of the salon or did you wash um you I think you said you had three daughters did you wash the, their hair yourself how did you like kind of um pour into them that their hair is beauty and they were crowned with glory well with my girls and and my son so my son is the oldest so mm-hmm. you know for him it was a different experience because you know he was going and getting his hair trimmed and you know it was kind of a father son thing with Chris uh-huh. but when my oldest daughter was born she has a a very um a, a finer texture of hair but she had a lot of hair mm. and so you know Saturdays were my hair day and uh-huh. I realized with that first daughter who inducted me in that I was not a good <laughs> hair mom. <laughs> and it's just, you right, know, so, right. some of us grow up and we're the auntie or the cousin that does cousin's hair and things yeah. like that. You know, I, I have a cousin like that. Yeah. But that wasn't me. Now, that I'll change wasn't me. I'll, I'll, I'll read to the kids. I'll do all kinds of fun things with them. But I wasn't the one that did hair. But when I had my own children, that daughter sort of, it was like, it was like my like ding ding ding. This may not be your skill set, Darina. <laughs> so I so, like th- I, it all was black like, people cannot braid. You know, let's all, raise all our of hands. us cannot braid. I cannot braid. I, I can barely plait. I can. Be- I can plait. I can do. I can do a mean, um, you know, French braid. But okay. I tried to plait, and it just so I would do a lot of twists, and I would put little bands at the bottom, and we yeah. do all kinds of you know fun barrettes and bows and whatever she like. We go to the store and just you know things uh-huh. she could she could shake her head from side to side and all the little <laughs> bows would clink and she loved all of that but Saturday was our was our hair morning so we would watch the Disney movies whatever was at least two hours long because I needed something right. that would keep her still right uh-huh. and then I had another daughter and her hair texture was a little bit coarser uh-huh. But she didn't have as much hair. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to work here. I'm still trying to manage <laughs> it. And then we got another daughter, and she was our preemie and, and didn't have a lot of hair because she was born extremely early. Uh-huh. And so by the t- so my husband was literally like praying, like, God, please help our daughter's hair to grow because she didn't have a lot of hair. Right. And God started answering that prayer. And then I was like, are you still praying for her hair to grow? I can't manage it anymore. I need you to stop praying because I can't do- so then oh, I realized I'm, my hands are full. You know, I can't. Yeah. So then it was just this humbling thing of, okay, I got to humble myself and outsource. I got to ask, mm-hmm. find somebody who can braid. And because then by this time, the older kids are getting to, to swimming age. And, you know, with a son, it's not as big of a deal because we yeah. can condition. But with daughters. Oh, you know, man, that will mess our hair up. That chlorine. It would mess up. And my husband, I grew up learning to swim at, you know, summer camp as a young girl. But my husband grew up in the city with a, uh-huh. a traditional black mama who was scared of the water and because of the history you know for people who don't know the history for our culture where a lot of our mothers were afraid of the water because not only did our parents not have access to swim but if there were pools that they could swim in people didn't want black kids swimming with the white kids and there's a whole difficult history around that so a lot so my husband didn't grow up swimming and he battled fear of the water as an adult and Mm. didn't want our kids to have that mantle so mm-hmm. we lived in a neighborhood that had a, a community pool. And so I just was like, you know what? I need to get my girl's hair braided in the summer. It will make it easier for me. Yeah. I can condition their braids and then they can swim. Whenever they want to swim, we can go swim. And we don't have that limitation of, oh, mama isn't good with hair and it's going to take me five hours to do it. And so you can't swim, you know? So, right. you know, that as a parent, you go through that journey of wanting to teach your children that they are beautiful and worthy of honor the way mm. they are, that they don't need to compare themselves to their their white counterparts, 
um, or mm -hmm. of another race, but that their beauty is beautiful. But in that, mama, daddy, auntie, grandmama, whoever is raising them has to be capable of helping to take care of their hair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe this is going to free a black mama who feels like she's got to be superwoman. Sister, if you are not a good hair mama, it's all right. I'm right. sure you got many other things you do well. And if you are not great at fixing their own hair, there are other people who will be blessed by that those funds. Um, or maybe you can barter something else. But I, I just started to do that. Let other people help braid and things like that so that my girls could enjoy their culture and their style. I, then I was not spending a million hours doing hair and take, giving them Tylenol and taking Tylenol because they're <laughs> screaming. I'm frustrated. You know, it's just become a whole right. day thing. So mm -hmm. a lot of that is poured into the book. You know, when I show again the spread of, of, you know, the beauty shop, we would go, they didn't go every week, but they would go for special occasions to get their hair done. And that was a mm -hmm. big deal. And learning to put a little gel on the edges. Right. And, um, you know, again, getting braided for, for um, you know, swimming, getting a special style for picture day, maybe some and special hair bow. <laughs> and for Easter, you know. And so all those things that, and then later on, she gets some weave and she's yeah. rocking all you know so so my my lead character azira is rocking all different literally every every spread she's got a different style because as you said we can do so many fun things with our hair and we mm. have so much creativity that god has crowned us with mm. that um we deserve to enter into that to tap into it but also tasha let us not be remiss and not mention that we also are worthy of respect and so I include yes. a spread where Azira has a friend who's reaching her hand out to touch mm. her hair because oh. friends are curious and they see our hair has changed and they want to understand maybe or they're just curious. They want to touch. And so Azira yeah. is putting her hand out like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Hi, friends. Just wanted to interrupt this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, and this is Epic Will. For those of you who don't know, I lost my father unexpectedly last year, and so I'm, I have lived this and the benefit of this firsthand. You know, when we think about some of the things that we go through, you got to plan for some of the biggest reasons you need to have a will. And this is where this comes in. Like, you know, when you are buying a house, you're getting married, these are things you have to think about. Epic Will is one of the easiest and most affordable ways that I know that you can make sure that you're covered. It's easy to think that I don't need this stuff right now. I just want you to know that a will gives you advanced directives so that you, no one you love has to make tough medical decisions on your behalf. And I think that is very powerful. And as little as five minutes and for only $99, you can create an early estate plan with Epic Will. So go to epicwill.com and use promo code BTB20 for 20% off. Again, that's epicwill.com. And because you are a Be The Bridge listener, you get a promo code that is BTB20 for 20% off. Get some peace of mind today with Epic Will. No, ma'am. <laughs> there's so many touch. videos on this, <laughs> but this is the thing. When you don't have, when you're not in proximity and you're not in relationship and you're not in these conversations, as much as we talk about this, I mean, there's TV shows that talk about it. There's commercials, you know, there's all kind of memes and all of that. People still miss it because people live in these like homogenous bubbles. And it's just all, it's always surprising when people are still doing that. If if you don't have a relationship with a person, if you're not friends with that person, you know, then you shouldn't be touching their hair. And um, it's just so it's just baffling to me how that happens. I was uh, watching something um, earlier um, this week. Um, Jamie Grace, she's a, um, a artist, a, um, a singer, um, and she is I follow her on Instagram and she it's so funny. She's a great mom. And I remember her music when she was a, a teenager, but she's also still producing. She's, I mean, she's so creative. Um, but she just did a song about uh, touching, um, not touching black women's hair. And it's so catchy. And so I'm hoping that um, Trayvon is going to put a clip in there um, just so they can hear it. But I mean, she's actually, you know, 
like talking about this, you know, um, you know, if you have questions about about a black woman's hair, just Google it. And it's like this little catchy rhyme. And it's so funny. Um, I think you know. I saw that. I think I saw yeah, it. Yeah, because it others that. us. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it really others us. It others us. It but, does. you know, I'm always just as many questions as you have for me. You know, I got questions for you. Like, you know, because I really thought just about every white woman, like they had naturally blonde hair. I didn't realize that they were all dying there. <laughs> And and just like you have different textures of hair, then we have different textures of hair. Or, you know, just think about the Latinx community, just the, I mean, just the diversity just in hair, just in that community alone. And so we're all living with, you know, um, just... uh, just beauty, you know, that how God has created us all so different and called it good. And so I'm glad that you're reconnecting um, children back to God's story about who they are and, you know, and um, and how how beautiful they are, you know, um, because we're all created in this image. And so I think that's important um, in that. Um, there was one thing I was, you know, when you talk about representation in children's literature, I was reading this. A friend of mine has sent this to me um, about something that's happening, this trend that's happening in Great Britain. And I don't see it here as much, but I think it's something for us to watch out um, because people get exhausted, you know, like uh, people can get fatigue about um you know, about blackness, you know, about, you know, we hear, you know, now the the talk against, you know, what it what wokeness means, but, you know, for us, wokeness uh, means understanding um, who we are and whose we are in our history, you know, but that, that, that phrase has been attached to a lot of things, but in this, um, in this um, comment, it says concerning, um, this is concerning, they said 23%, there was a 23% percent drop and black characters in children's bestsellers since 2020. Um, this is in Europe. Um, and they said that as um, the Black Lives Matter publishing boom phase, um, there was a 31% decrease in the percentage of children's bestsellers written by black authors from 2020 to 2021. Meanwhile, there was a 17% increase in the percentage of bestsellers for white authors, um, the largest increase in the last 10 years. Um, I haven't seen that trend um, here, um, but it's it is always concerning. But because I am seeing um, so many books stateside, um, you know, like your, yourself that are addressing issues in our community, um, helping people to learn and to educate, um, to live in this um, multi-ethnic world, um, you know, you know, books teaching about culture, especially for children, because, you know, um, children are not born racist, you know, <laughs> they're not born racist. Um, they are cued by their society and um, and by the things that are happening that where they embrace those racial biases, but they're not born that way. What would you say about that? Do you see um, an increase in um, Black representation in children's literature from, from your perspective? I am seeing that increase, um, and I will also very gently say I'm seeing an increase not in just having white people who feature black characters, Mm. but us being able to tell our stories. So again, Mm. I am able to write a book called Crown with Glory about black girl hair because it's my lived experience. It's my sisters and my brother and my family and Mm -hmm. my children. And so Mm -hmm. that's not to say that people who are not black cannot, but there there is a difference of featuring black characters versus writing from, this is my lived experience. Like Mm. when I talk about those struggles, I have walked through those. I have parented Mm -hmm. through those. I have walked through those in my family. And so I have seen an increase um, and it, it makes me glad because I know, and I know you know this, that there are so many who've come before us who have labored, who have been having those conversations behind the scenes, mm-hmm. who've been trying to shine a light and, and it's not been acknowledged or deemed as worthy or valued. Mm-hmm. The, the, the value word, I think, is really the key, that our voices mm-hmm. 
weren't equally valued. Um, we, we existed, so we'll put a little complimentary one or two of us out there, but, you know, to, to know that we are valued. And when you, you know, give an author a publishing contract and you say, um, you know, we want to, to, to release this work. And in my case with this book, um, you know, I had the privilege of having a black editor who mm. came to Waterbrook at the same time I was signing on as an, an author. And then that black editor, when she read this manuscript and knew she would work on it with me, the, right off the bat, Boomi said, this book will absolutely have a black illustrator because we have right. to have someone who shares our culture to illustrate a book about black girl hair. And so, I, that's the sustainability right there, what you just said. Yes, yes. And it's it's landmark. Like, At the it has table, been, yeah. It, it has been such... A joy for me because when I had my first art direction meeting with my editor and with the illustrator and with the the Waterbrook team, the first thing the illustrator said, and she's she's Canadian, um, shout out to Shalene, um, she's just an amazing gifted illustrator, and she said to me, when I read this, the manuscript, it felt like my story. And that mm. just filled me, Tasha. Like, it was honestly an emotional moment. I was trying to, to hold it in because I, you know, was excited and wanted to be professional and I'm newly signed and, mm. you know, all the things. But I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting to, like, can I go off the camera for a minute and have a cry and come back on? Because right, the woman right. who's going to bring this story to life and bring images for children has said that she feels like this story is her story. And so I knew that it was going to be special. And so, yeah. you know, I, I hope that it continues. You know, I hope that there are more black editors who are given the opportunity to acquire the work because we're out there. I, you know, I think of, yeah. I meet black authors all the time and writers who have wonderful stories, you know, that they are just waiting to have the opportunity to share with the world. And so, you know, it's going to take more editors and more people in the sales and marketing and the, the, the entire publishing team who, who will not have those biases, and, but who share the culture and share a longing to see that representation. Um, so it's growing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm grateful for those who are doing the hard work, but I also give honor to those who did it before we before yours and my books were out there who've been shining a light and speaking out like John the Baptist in the wilderness, shouting, can we get more representation? Yeah. And I think it's just yeah. an honor that you and I have to, to be now a part of answering those those prayers and the work that they did. Yeah, um, I think, you know, I'm going to say this because I know those who are listening, a lot of people who are listening to the Be The Bridge um, podcast, they're on a journey, on a learning journey of educating themselves or um, trying to grow in, in this, whether they're, um, you know, a white person or, you know, or um, a person of color. Um, but when we say, um, you know, one of the key things you said about hiring a black editor, um, and it's not hiring a person just because they're black, but hiring a qualified person um, that is in that role where you're dealing with a system that too has been, um, um, you know, has has had systemic, you know, issues related to race, the publishing world, um, just like every other system um, that we have, the, the publishing world is no different from that. And so in order to, you have to do something different in order to get a different outcome. So if we want to see more books, you know, people make up systems and people are broken and we're fractured. And we see through, um, you know, a lens of um, a racial lens uh, of stereotypes. There are racial prejudices that people have. And so you take that into the workplace. And so people are attracted to things that they, that is a part of their experience, um, that is a part of their story that they can relate to. And so if you have mostly white people in these roles of editor um, and illustrator, um, you know, when when it comes to now, here's a writer that's writing a black book. They don't identify with that. They don't understand it. They don't see the market for it because if you're living in a homogenous community, but until you step outside of that and and bring someone in that has the lens, that has the perspective, that has the experience to say no. I know several communities that want these books. You know, these stories need to be told, and not just that. We have a lot of 
parents who have um, transracial adoption that are trying to learn and trying to grow and trying to teach their kids. And so this becomes a tool and an asset for them. So I don't want people to think that when people are hiring, that it's something that's taken away from white people. And first of all, that's kind of like a, a racist ideology when you think that something is um, when something is actually been given um, as it relates to um, being equitable or um, equality that is taken away. Um, that's the world has taught us to 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 really skew that type of thinking where this is all actually making place so that all may flourish. You know, this this is about making it right, you know, where where it should have been a more inclusive world and how God has created us equally. Um, we have created systems that um, that elevate some and that diminish others. And so what we're now doing is making that right, making um, the, the, the room more equitable. And that doesn't feel good to a lot of people, especially if you're used to your voice being at the top. And now your voice is, you know, mixed in with everyone else's voice. And so I think that's I just wanted to say that, you know, as you were explaining that, because I think that is going to be the key to publishing where we, we don't see a decrease is if that in these roles that you put people um that look like the world, the diverse world that they represent, if you put these talented people in those roles so that we are getting an array of books. Because I, I remember growing up, you know, I didn't have books like this, you know. <laughs> and, and just imagine when our parents grew up, they didn't have things like this, you know. You know, Laura Ingalls Wilder, um, Judy Bloom, like all these things. And now, you know, your book goes from, I think, what, four to eight, four years old to eight years old. You know, um, but then there's that next group of, 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 you know, when you start getting into the, the, the preteens or pre-adolescent, um, my godson, he's, he's 10. And so now trying to find books for him where he can see himself and where there's representation, um, it matters. And there's, there's not as many in that. So there's room for growth. And so I am glad that publishing companies like Waterbrook, um, they're actually, and Waterbrook is not paying for this. <laughs> they're not, you know, but they're just one example of something, you know, um, and they're, um, they're one example that they're doing something. They're putting action um, to their words. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of them, I think IVP um, um, books and, you know, some different ones. <clears throat> but, but yeah, so I don't want to see a decrease because we don't need to go backwards. We need to go forward, you know, because, you know, we're dealing with the millennial group, which is the most racially diverse group. And this group now outweighs, you know, outnumbers the baby boomers. You know, and so that's something, you know, you think about that very diverse group in the their children. You have the Gen Zers and it's, we're getting more diverse. We're not getting more homogenous. And so, um, you know, so if you're looking at, if you know, if you're if you're a numbers person and, a you know, a, a data person, um, you know, it's not just the, it's the bottom line too, where you look at over time, you know, what's going to sell, but also it's the right thing to do. You know, it's the right thing to do. So um, how can your, how can parents encourage children um, to, to celebrate the differences in others, you know, because we know sometimes mean things are said in school. And so we're, you're, you know, you're writing books that's affirming um, to all children, even children with special needs. Um, I, in a lot of your books, um, there, there is a um, inclusion of that. Um, why, how do you think, so it's two questions. How do you think um, children, parents can be teach their kids to celebrate the differences and why why do you make an effort to make sure that your books are not just racially inclusive but also as it pertains to um, children that have special needs well i'll i'll try to hit both questions um with with one broad answer um mm -hmm. and that is that i believe that we are all image bearers of God. And mm. I believe then that we should foundationally be teaching that to our children. 
Mm. Um, you know, obviously parents are the first teachers and the, the primary teachers. So, you know, I'm, as my children were, you know, first mm-hmm. moving about and I'm lotioning their skin, I'm, I'm, I'm complimenting the beauty of their brown skin as I'm putting that moisture on and I'm just reminding them of how mm. beautiful they are. Um, you know, when I'm fixing my daughter's hair and they look at themselves in the mirror, whether it was Afro puffs or long twists with clinky barrettes or braids or weave or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm affirming to them, you know. And so, you know, for parents, how do they teach that? They teach that by practicing what they preach, by mm-hmm. remembering that children are listening. So if they hear you watching the news or talking about people groups in a certain way, um, you know, we've all seen the, the funny videos of that, that are funny, but not really funny, of a kid repeating cuss words or repeating stuff that we go, oh my gosh, well, they're, they're listening. So if they hear you over here degrading certain people, they're listening to your phone conversations. They are picking up mm. what you are speaking. So, you know, this mm-hmm. is, you know, bringing the aunties and the uncles and the godparents and the grandparents, all of us who are influencing children, which is pretty much everyone, whether it's in our neighborhoods, our families, or in our faith communities. Many of us are teaching in children's ministries and we're high-fiving kids and asking them how they're doing. So I would just encourage the parents and those who influence to remember that our words matter. Mm. And that's where books are a wonderful and warm companion because books come alongside and help. As you read a book like Mm -hmm. Crown With Glory with your black children, but also please read it with your white children so that they look at a book that for the most part does not include their cultural context, but it's good for them because they're seeing the, the normality of black culture. And so when they are spending time with their black friends, it's not as, it's not strange. It's not, they're not othering them. They are a part Mm. of community together because they're reading about it in stories. So it's not unfamiliar. It takes away that, oh, they're different and that must be bad. You know, as as humans, we automatically Mm. assign often that negativity to something that's different. So instead, Mm. teaching your children from the time they're young that different is good. It's different. Their body may work Mm -hmm. differently. Their body may look different than yours. Their mind Mm -hmm. might work differently as we try to unpack you know, learning mm. challenges. Um, and that's good. They're not l- less than you because their body or their mind works differently. They are gifted by God just like you. And in fact, God made them that way. And again, everyone's story looks different. You know, I was inspired with mm. thoughtful by my nephew who has Down syndrome. And so if I mm. believe Psalm 139.14 that every mm. one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made, my nephew mm. is not exempt from that. God didn't right. accidentally give him that bonus chromosome. No, when he was knit mm. in my sister's womb, God intentionally and carefully and lovingly designed him with that bonus chromosome so that he could glorify him the way that he does. And at 14, my beautiful Josiah, <laughs> absolutely, that boy rocks that bonus chromosome. And he <laughs> rocks God's glory and is one of the most delightful humans you can meet. And through Thoughtful, he has inspired kids around the world to appreciate those differences. So I make that effort, Tasha, because it matters, because yes. we're made in the image of God, and because we have the opportunity to really shape these young hearts and minds through literature, through the words that we speak over them and yes. the way that we introduce them to the people around us in the world. Wow, incredible insights. Don't go anywhere. We're going to pause for a quick moment and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Are we looking out for our personal selves? Do we invest in ourselves? And there's ways that you can invest in yourself through therapy, coaching, self-care, listening to your own body, working out. These are ways that we take care of ourselves. So this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure that you show up for yourself. Just like we do checkups. 
Sometimes we need to do check-ins with our therapist. And I find this very helpful. And I find this as an outlet for myself personally. BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. They make it easy for us. They take out the awkward. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. Talk about even saving gas by doing it online. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Be The Bridge listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash be the bridge. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash be the bridge. So make sure you remember to take care of yourself in the midst of all your busyness. Take time out for you. Thanks for staying with us. Let's get back to our conversation. I love it, you know, and I think that's the way we have to look at this. It's an opportunity for growth. And um, just imagine, you know, walking into a classroom, walking into um, a Sunday school room or walking into a community center and you're seeing books that represent um the community at large, you know, and even if you live in a community that is more homogenous, you still can represent the world in your literature. You know, you can bring the world to your kids through literature. And I think it's, you know, it's an opportunity to teach and grow and to help this um, next generation um, be better and do better, you know, and to really um, honor um all of God's creation. And so I think, um, you know, this is, you know, this is really exciting. You know, the, the things that I'm seeing, I, I, I was just recently talking to um, a, a friend that's in Colorado and she was saying how she's a, she's a white mom and she buys her daughter, um, you know, different books and, you know, her son, different books and um, diverse, you know, Toys. That's one of the things we teach and be the bridge is bridge builders. You know, you want to integrate their play. And so um, even when there's, you know, not real life people around, there's ways that you can do that. And so she brought her daughter, her daughter, um, you know, different color Barbies and um, and doll and doll babies. And she noticed that her daughter was only playing with the white ones. And she was just, you know, just watching for a couple weeks. You know, she would only play with the white ones and um, and she would just leave the other ones. And so she decided to play with her daughter one day and she said, I want this one. And she picked up the brown one. And every time she would play with her daughter, she always wanted the brown one. And then eventually her daughter mimicked that behavior and started playing with the brown one. You know, and I think that's just something, you know, that that's parenting, you know, and and it's not like, you know, there's not a whole bunch of people around them. But she wanted to model that, you know, and 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 what she does and how she communicates. And I think this is a way the books that you're writing are tools where people can model that, you know, um, you know, these these thoughtful and grateful and colorful and graceful and um, all are they going to first of all, are there going to be more in this series of the the full series (laughs) and um, right right now no and I won't ever say never but that was a that was a a three book contract for those Um, but I you know with Waterbrook Crown with Glory is the first of three so okay, um, okay, you know, okay. We we got we got we got several more coming. We got okay, we so there's a, more to come. Okay, there's more to come. So okay, just taking those come. messages and putting them in um, in in new stories. Um, you know, I have the, the the one I'm really excited about this fall in September is called Brown Baby Jesus. Ooh, and so it is a brown, it. a beautiful brown Jesus with wonderful bushy hair. And uh-huh. he, um, it, it's, it is the Christmas story. It's a Christmas story, but it is the multi-ethnic family of Jesus. And so wow. it, is, it, it is saying to children, you know, it's giving them a new narrative. What mm. I believe is a correct narrative of, of what Jesus looked like. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think um, 
Dante Stewart just put up a week or so ago a Life magazine, as you and I are recording this, they had put out this new, um, you know, a new new magazine um, that featured the, the blondest, the blonde whitest. I mean, just, it's like he gets blonder <laughs> and blonder. And I'm not shading any of our family members listening who are blonde. This is absolutely no, sh- no shade to you at being blonde. Right, but however, right. like for real, like... Palestinian Jewish Jesus yeah, blonde like, like he just and we have to understand where that depiction comes from <laughs> like, that's exactly right but we that's love exactly to embrace right. lies we love to embrace lies and we say it we doesn't do. matter then I'm like well if it doesn't matter then depict it in the right way <laughs> Well, and see, that's I was talking to my parents about that last night, and I was giving them a sneak peek of the cover. And I, I believe in a few mm-hmm. weeks that that Waterbrook will release the cover. You know, there's always you know, particulars about the time okay. the cover okay. releases, but okay. um, but suffice it for our listeners to say he is a beautiful brown. Um, but as I was talking to my parents, I said, you know, I know I can already hear the chorus of white people saying, "Why, why, why?" Did you portray him brown? It doesn't matter. And my answer will be, did it matter before you saw my depiction? Because exactly. all of a sudden it doesn't matter when he's brown. Because to uh-huh. you, the default uh-huh. has been white Jesus. And so, yeah. um, you know, the heart of the book is, is, is truly to, to share scripturally that, you know, we've got Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba uh-huh. um, and Tamar, you know, mm. these Hamitic women who were God designed them as part mm. of Jesus's story and to really highlight that his his story is not just the nativity that we look at but it it included these women it included widows and people with pain um he came from all of us because he came for all of us so i I'm, I'm excited but mm. you know i got my game ready cuz i know i know how people are and i know yeah. that all of a sudden the folks are going to be agitated when they see a beautiful you know, um, chocolate Jesus, and um, and yet, um, you know, he's the savior for the whole world. So I'm I'm excited, yeah. excited yeah. to bring that forth. I mean, you're you know, like okay, so Jesus is for real, but you know how people get, even when it comes to Santa Claus. So I'm I'm gonna be praying for you, sister. <laughs> oh oh yes, yeah, we know we know Santa Claus. Never mind that so many of them don't know the story of. Saint exactly. Nick. And I mean, the, the, the origin, yeah. Yeah, Saint Nicholas and what, where it came from. Of that. Um, so can we can we yeah. teach our children that? Because that's even more important yeah. than, than Santa. But yes, we. but you know yeah. what, Tasha, I'm just trying to be obedient to what God has called me to do. Yes, I um, love it. You know, I love it. Li- life is short. Yeah. You and I were talking about grandparents before we came on. And, you know, yeah. my 95 year old grandmother is, is reminding me in her twilight season that, um, you know, I, I have to fulfill the call that God has placed on my life. And um, mm. I am not doing it focused on those who who will have problems. I'm a preacher's kid and I'm a first lady. So I know church people. I know God's people. I know our families have a lot of jacked mm-hmm. upness. Um, and we, yeah. we have so much brokenness. And yet I know that when I look at the faces of these, these beautiful children, when I get to do school visits or visit with churches and, and, Look at these kids. They're wide-eyed and they're eager, Tasha, and their hearts and their minds mm. are ripe for shaping. And if we're not filling it with God's truth that he's declared over them, and if we're not giving them images that are life-bearing, that are healing, mm. then there are mm-hmm. narratives wait, waiting to fill their hearts and minds. And so you know, I would implore people beyond supporting my books to just give great care to to what they're adding and go to the library you know if your finances don't allow you to do a lot of purchasing you know libraries are doing better at stocking i've had people reach out and say that they've seen my books in libraries so they're stocking Mm -hmm. books even faith-based books and and beyond our faith just books that tell great stories of of people in history you know the people we know well and those whose stories deserve to be shared that are getting that due so you know give great care at your libraries and if you have the means Mm -hmm. to buy books for your kids, buy extra for your for children's yes. birthday parties and for shower gifts and give them to yes. your churches. Lord knows so in our houses of God, yes. kids can pick up books as they're having their free playtime and even as teachers are shaping lessons. You know, 
I have a new version, new version devotional connected to Crown of Glory now that people can find mm-hmm. on, on the Bible app. And so, you know, they're, they're just are becoming more and more tools, Tasha. And it makes my heart glad because it's just coming alongside our parents and our adults and saying, we can give our kids a better way. And here are tools that will help you. They won't do the work for you. And you advocate for that be the bridge. You have to mm-hmm. do your work. You can't yep. wait for other people to do it for you. But these tools come alongside. So I would just implore folks to support that. And uh, let's just be really intentional about about shaping those those little hearts. Right, right. And I love giving um, books as gifts and um, to my little cousins and to friends, children. I, and I just recently, a friend of mine just had a baby and I brought some um, some books, of course, some, you know, I'll go and see what's out there, what's new. And, you know, and I was so glad, you know, when I went to the baby's room that the baby, there was such a great representation already of that people had given diverse books. So this, you know, this work of bridge building is 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 really working. Um, it's helpful and beneficial um, for us all. And I, you know, even my little cousin, I, I um, for Christmas, I always give them a couple books, and um, I, I gave one of my little cousins one about Latinx history because I think that's important. You know, although she's African American, I still want them to know the history of other people too, and 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 you know those contributions that have come from that community. And so I think um, that's something also within our community to making sure that we're educating our our um, our children on the um, just the. the just on all BIPOC, you know, um, understanding in the the indigenous community and um, and all of those things because we can become insulated and, and only understand our culture and our way, and just like we should know um, what it what it what what the world looks like outside of America and how other people groups live and, and languages and all those things. I think that just makes us better um, and more whole as people. So I'm so grateful for your work, um, you know, Doreen, and I, I'm so great, grateful for um, all that you're doing and, um, you know, and, um, and how God is using you, you know, um, and all that um, you're doing. And like this, this has been a quick work for you. Um, you know, this has been a quick, quick work for you because like we met just a couple of years ago, you hadn't written one book and now there's five. <laughs> yeah, it has. And there's you know, five. It, it reminds me to be careful what you pray for. And that's not uh-huh. to limit ourselves with prayer, but you know, I, I always think about those who've, who've come before, who, who were laboring long before my books showed up in the world. And it keeps me, it, it, it keeps me in, in context and make sure that I walk out this, this, this calling with, with humility. But I, you're right. It has been quick. It's, it's like, okay, I was praying and laboring and waiting and crying out to God and burdened with the stories I wanted to share. And then literally all of a sudden, God opened up the door and I was able to do those those full books. And then we had a pandemic and I was in pause mode again of, OK, Lord, now I'm at another juncture of waiting. And so, you know, it's just those cycles of you're waiting, you're preparing, you're doing that good work behind the scenes, you know, like like, you know, as it's March now and we're beginning to start seeing you know, bits of budding, but during those winter months, it looks like nothing is happening because it's cold and it's barren, but there's mm-hmm. all kinds of work going on under the the surface that's preparing for the fruitful season. And I feel like right. that's been my, my story. And I would just encourage mm. those who are doing that good work that, that may not be published or may not be known that the goal isn't for other people to know who we are. It's to be faithful in whatever it is that God has called us to do. And um, please keep going, keep on doing um, whatever that good work is, building bridges, um, because God God will get the increase, whether whether you're called to plant or you're called to water, you know, God, God is gonna get the increase from, from the good right. work. And I'm just grateful to get to be a part of it. He's doing it, like you said, all over the world. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just want to one step at a time, keep putting them, yeah, putting out these good seeds. Time. So 
Well, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for um, just the work that, you know, that you're doing and just for being a bridge builder. And I'm so glad that our paths have connected and, um, you know, it seemed like we've been on this journey um, together, you know, um, just with uh, book publishing and just all of the things. And so, um, you know, I'm so grateful to have you um, as a friend of BTB and um, that we can bring your story and your content um, to the greater community. So thank you so much for sitting down uh, with with us, you know, but before you go, I want to say, you know, I, I always ask this question of what are you lamenting and then what are you hopeful for? And so as we end, um, what is something that you're lamenting and then um, what is something that you're hopeful for? Well, as you and I are recording this, I am spending time with my my grandmother um, in her twilight season, and we just had a very um, emotional conversation this morning about how children don't always feel valued. And my mother um, took me aside later and said, you know, she was talking about her own story, and it just um, it just it, it made me again want to go sit and just weep. Because at 95, you know, she's reading my book, Crown with Glory, but she's also remembering decades before when she didn't feel valued. And so I lament that any child in this world is questioning whether they have value, whether their life is worthy. Um, That fills me with sorrow. And it also fuels me to be a part of giving them work that reminds them that they are valued, not for what they do, not even for what they look like, Tasha, but they are valued because God created them and they bear his image. Mm -hmm. They are crowned with his glory. So I lament that so many of us have stories that that are filled with feeling unworthy. Um, I lament that. I lament that for myself Mm. and for everyone who's listening, because truly we all can unpack that we've journeyed through that. Um, But I also am filled with hope um, that if we Mm. truly understand that God has declared us um, crowned with his glory, that we are lovely and beautiful for who we are. Um, Not for what we do, but for who we are. Um, And and hope that I can just help spread that message. Yes, love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you, friend. We love you and so wishing you the best, okay? Thank you, You sir. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.